Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hey, 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 it's Faye OJ and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is due to get your emotions in motion. Given that it's the 10th episode, we're switching things up a little bit. Not one, but six tangly, tricky, and time-sensitive debates. Some of these opinions are mine, and some I'm just stirring up a little bit of trouble. Is your height preference anti-feminist? Is your hot dog a sandwich? Who was right out of Kim and Courtney in that fight? And so much more. First up, we've got Rochelle, Spanish and philosophy Durham graduate. And I guess the question I have for you, Rochelle, is... You're five foot ten? I'm five foot eleven. You, did you not say you were five foot ten the other day? You lied to yourself. I life. identify as five foot eleven. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. I guess the question I have to ask you is... Is not dating shorter men anti-feminist? What? That's a bunch of baloney if I've ever heard that. <laughs> Firstly, what are we defining as feminist? Well, I was watching a video the other day, and the person on on the side that I guess I'm coming from is that this whole idea of the man having to be the protector, the taller one, even like the older one as well, the stronger one, it's all sort of outdated. And it's against the feminist movement, would you not say? Personally, I don't think height is anything to do with feminism. I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of stereotypes around what the man has to be as the provider. I don't think that's necessarily to do with height. I think height is just a personal preference. That's nothing to do with feminism. I'm 5'11". Do you think I want to be bending down when I want to kiss my husband? But why would your husband want to bend down to kiss you? Because he can. That is preference. But to what extent do we Some do pe- we unpoliticize preference? To what extent can you really say it's not society's preference, it's just mine? The personal is political. That is like one of my favourite quotes. The political argument that was used as a rallying slogan for second wave feminism. And basically the whole idea was that we can't remove, for example, domestic matters from politics and society. I'm a huge proponent of the personal is political and that's straight facts. But, but not the height. I'll tell you why height is different. Because there are plenty of women who date short men. Kevin Hart is short. Aniko Hart is taller than him. She loves a short, funny man. That's good for her. Me, personally, I would prefer someone to be taller than me. That's my personal preference. Same way I would prefer for my husband to not be a criminal. How are you going to tell me that's political? Would you never date a shorter man? No, so that's the thing. I, this, that's not the argument, though, is it? It's choosing to rule out all men shorter than you anti-feminist it's not anti-feminist anti-feminist means you do not believe in the political social and economic equality of the sexes so speaking did i not say that would you not say dating is social of course dating is social but there are many facets of dating height is a preference i've liked people who are shorter than me so it's not like i've ruled it out but my personal preference would be to be with someone taller than me same way i've liked people who are not nigerian but I would prefer to be with someone from a similar culture to me. By virtue of anti-feminist, that means someone who is actively against the social, political, economic equality of the sexes. The thing about anti-feminist, I think that puts feminism in a box. The truth is feminism is multifaceted. If someone has a personal preference, 
for someone to be taller than them. And this could be happen even in, in homosexual relationships as well. If we universalise this idea, right, we continue this image of the man being taller and the woman underneath. Do you not think that that puts this image and idea of the man being taller as the normal relationship form? Let's not be naive and not talk about how things look and perception. How does that look with the man taller, with the man paying, with the man being the provider? Height, biological or not, has a social consequence. Firstly, one thing I really want to just debunk in your argument, that the patriarchy is the men versus the women. The patriarchy affects men and women the same. It puts the onus on women to rectify it, but actually the patriarchy affects all of us. I completely hear what you're saying about everybody having to deal with the consequences of the patriarchy. But would you not say that wanting to date a taller man is also a consequence of the patriarchy? In order to flip that on its head, which I think feminism should be about, dismantling and disabling the power of the patriarchy, then we need to unflip these social standards. You're saying it's anti-feminist. It's not. Just because something is prevalent in a society... Okay, so what if I say it's pro-patriarchy? I think that's absolute baloney. So what about Kevin Hart and Anika Hart? What about She's Kevin Hart and Anika Hart? And? By your logic, Kevin Hart and Anika Hart, they're pro-feminist and everyone else is anti-feminist. Oh, absolutely not. That is a false negative. What's my, your my, utopia? My, as I said, I'm not actually arguing for my sake. I'm arguing just for the sake. So what's the, uh, so the utopia <laughs> of your sake? <laughs> the utopia of my sake is universal in the sense that height no longer is an issue. Because I actually realised the other day, forget height because I'm five foot three, it's very rare that someone's shorter than me. But the reason I don't feel comfortable dating a man that is younger than me is because of the societal standards governed by the patriarchy. There's absolutely no reason why I can't be the older person in a relationship. No reason. There are loads of things that are present in society as a consequence of the patriarchy. They're not automatically anti-feminist. One thing that kind of frustrates me is that people say when they say society they say as if society is not made up of social beings anti-feminist to me is someone who actively doesn't believe again in the social political so economic quality of the sexes it's a belief but that belief can seep through to our legislations for example women not being allowed to vote that is anti-feminist women being the only people who are allowed to take care of the children men not being allowed to be nurses anti-feminist so you're saying that feminism is this multifaceted thing but you know, the only way you can be anti-feminist is through laws. And again, like you're saying, oh, society's made up of social beings, but you're saying, let's fight this together. Like we're suddenly just going to come in and fight it. No, you fight it on an individual basis because as you said, there is no That's one what society. I'm saying. If, you're, if you're thinking the guy has to be taller than you then because of how, how it looks, okay, then that's issues with society. But I do not think that every person who wants to date a taller guy is thinking it's because the patriarchy wants me to do this. Okay, so that was fun, but it's time to move on to Lola from Dallas, a former guest of this podcast. You can find her in the inequality debate. Being my cousin, she just hit me up at about 1am this side, and she said, is a hot dog a sandwich? Of course, I was like, absolutely not. She disagrees with me, and here's why. It's real simple, honestly. It's two pieces of bread covered with filling. But then surely because a hot dog isn't actually separated at the bottom, it's technically still just one piece rather than two. Some people feel that way, but in the end, the reality remains that bread, bread, filling, sandwich. But it's more bread filling rather than bread, bread, because it's one piece of bread. Like, that's why you have hot dog buns. 
I'm just going to sidestep on this bad boy slightly. I don't think I should be arguing that reasons why it is a sandwich. I think I've made that part clear. I think you should be arguing why in your mind it doesn't count okay. as a sandwich. Absolutely. Apart from the fact that it's just one piece of bread that happens to have like a line in the middle, I think the orientation in which you eat it is very important. Stop it. I think you need to check yourself if you're eating a sandwich vertically because sandwiches are horizontal. You don't eat a hot dog in a horizontal manner. And thirdly, if you go to a sandwich shop, you're not going to be outraged if they don't have hot dogs, are you? There's this thing we have in America. We call it Subway. When people walk in, they think they're eating... What? Sandwiches. A sub. For those of you out there that don't know, a sub is a type of sandwich. Some might say similar to a hot dog in the sense that the bread is connected and then there's filling. It seems like people have zero struggle in recognizing that Subway sells sandwiches. Like, I think it's part of their logo and all. But my cousin Faye, she can't seem to make the connection that a hot dog is just a smaller sub. She feels that because the breading is connected, then all of a sudden it changes what it inherently is. That's number one. Number two, this girl has now said the orientation, the way she chooses to eat food changes what the food is. If you roll up a pizza, does it no longer become a pizza out there? Why do they specify pizza rolls when they sell it rolled? Why don't they just call it pizza in a different orientation? But no, they specify pizza rolls because they acknowledge that a pizza is meant to be eaten in a certain way. Different foods are meant to be eaten in a certain way. That's why we have etiquette. That's why we have etiquette. I really like that. That was very cute. Pizza rolls are actually truly a different thing than a pizza, right? Physically, the appearance is different. Even the filling inside of it. I'm not saying, oh, a pizza roll is a sandwich. Why? Because it's fully covered. It's pressed down on the sides. And the inside of it, it's like a little, it's like a Pop-Tart. Is a Pop-Tart a sandwich? You know what I'm saying? This girl's getting wild out here, which is very far away from the main topic of this debate, which is hot dogs and other sandwiches. Okay, absolutely. But since you brought pizza in about orientation, so just go down your tract. All I'm saying is in this life, we have general terms and then we specify. Just like there's a parent and there's subsidiaries, there are sandwiches and there's hot dogs. Subsidiaries. I'd say, you know, bagels, subs, all check the box for me. There's this thing in behavioral economics that's called representative bias. So essentially, a chicken is a bird, but a robin is more representative of a bird. Another example, a city, like an American city, New York would jump to a lot of people's minds, whereas Cincinnati is more representative. So I asked, what is more important? Whether it's technically a subsidiary of sandwiches or how it's perceived as to people. And I think it's how it plays out in real life. I can understand why people like you would think that way. I do understand that. So you go a bit more into people like me, just so I and the audience are clear on what that means. <laughs> you know, people who focus more on representative realities than actual realities. Like um, Trump. <laughs> On to the next one, we now have history graduate, current law student, Wimmy Williams. I just wanted to get a bit of insight into why Wimmy thinks it's okay to ghost. In her own words, she says, when it's time to dip, it's time to dip. I just want to ask you, Wimmy, in the words of Love Island's Greg, what is the thought process behind that? 
if you're a person in my life and we're dating and you act in a way that I don't like, I'm going to block you. I'm going to ghost you, yeah? Because you need to protect your mental health, right? That's what the kids say these days. If somebody is not giving you what you want and they're not even trying to change, out of sight, out of mind. You letting it naturally fizzle out, i.e. ghosting, is to me more gracious and better for both parties we live in what i like to call the scissor happy generation where people just are scissor scissor happies with uh, relationships <laughs> friendships you know and i just think that's actually very damaging to just be like okay listen this isn't doing it for me anymore so juices because i feel like if you get to a certain level with someone what if they think you're dead for example like i know that's drastic <laughs> what if they they generally think you're dead like the word ghost comes because you become like a ghost you don't become a <laughs> until you die so if somebody thought you were dead and didn't know then you weren't that close to them facts so that's number one number two there was a time in my life where i used to think that having conversations for closure was necessary for somebody to move forward i don't actually know where i got that idea mm. from because now that i'm old i'm like it's stupid as hell I, i'm assuming that i got it from the the nonsense tv that i used to watch coming up like the hills reality tv whatever whatever where they would be like you know i i just need closure you know i feel like i need to talk to him or like to my friend because i need closure no you don't the closure is the ghosting that's <laughs> the, you close the door because you've ghosted them do you understand so for me the times that, that i've had a conversation with a boy or a friend that has done something to me usually they gaslight me number one but when it comes to like emotional conversations i literally have to like write a script before i have the conversation <laughs> so that i get all of my points out and so that right. i don't allow the opposite party to bring stuff up that is not relevant to the conversation or whatever okay so it's it's more because i guess the destination is the same regardless it's like let me save my Egg, breath exactly i yeah, respect I don't have that breath to waste. so you're clearly okay with ghosting how do you feel when you are internal ghost dead i also don't mind um okay. <laughs> <laughs> if i really feel a way about it i will journal it like i'll be like oh today this person ghosted me how do i feel about that situation and then once I've journaled it, it's like cathartic for me. Okay. So it doesn't really affect me like that, like that. I just generally think where we're going in terms of relationships, I think we're all sort of doomed. I think the 50% <laughs> divorce rate that we hear, I think it's still going to become either 0% because no one's getting married or 100%. I think it's interesting how everything's digital, whether it's like a dating app or whether you're talking to someone over Instagram or Twitter. Mm-hmm it becomes like less deep and less emotional. And so because you're not as attached to it, it's easier to detach. So I guess that's why ghosting is sort of prevalent. Like that's an interesting comment because I feel like the conversation around like millennials that we are hyper emotional. Like, we're the Ooh. ones that are always going on about, oh my gosh, talk about your feelings. That the boomer generation, they never used to talk about, they just used to Ooh. grit it and bear. Following that line of logic, then no, surely we're more into it. But if you now take it specifically to the fact that, like, we use social media to mate and all that kind mm. of stuff, I would say not that we're less emotional or we're less attached to the situation, but I think we have more options than our parents did. They had like a very specific timeline. Okay, you're going to be married by like 25. You have your kids by 30. You buy your house with a white picket fence. Our generation doesn't have to do that because we have so many options. Like mm. like the world is always there at this point. So you don't want to just be like, oh, you know, this dude likes me. Let me cough everybody else that I'm talking to. Or because we are clicking on Instagram or Hinge or whatever it is. For someone that's 
22. I think I can sometimes appear a bit anti-millennial and anti-Gen Z. <laughs> Not to be one of those, I was born in the wrong generation, because I think my issue is just with humans as a whole. But I don't actually think we're that emotional. I think it's all so superficial. It's like, let me tweet this sad picture with this sad song from this artist that's performatively sad. Like, being performatively <laughs> sad is now a thing. Like, But even if our displays of emotional capability are performative, it's sad definitely more than our parents generation who didn't show at all i have so many friends whose parents didn't even say like oh i love you kind of thing Mm. even if our generation is faking it quote unquote at least they're saying it do you understand okay (laughs) fake it till you make it i guess (laughs) like literally if you say it enough times or if you exercise that ability enough times it becomes real i think a lot of people don't exercise their emotional capabilities enough times to the point that they just it's like a muscle, it just kind of it's wears like out, just you Ghost, almost. Yeah. I also feel like a lot of the emotional expressions are towards the self. I think we can be very, very narcissistic and everyone's just really alone and isolated and sad. And that's why ghosting is just a thing because you don't deal with the emotion. You don't get that closure. Yes, a lot of our emotional work that we conduct in this generation is geared to the self. Every action has a reaction the reason that we've become more like okay think about yourself think about yourself think about yourself is because our parents generation weren't allowed to do that they were always thinking about their husband if they were women they're talking they're thinking about their husbands they're thinking about their kids blah 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 but again you do have to be careful to not become a narcissist which is something i think our generation suffers with we don't like to engage with people who critically analyze us which i think is super important because we're not able to deal with criticism from our peers from our friends family whatever we're not really self-reflexive as a final closing question and completely unrelated do you think love is dead in our generation absolutely not don't be so ridiculous It is now time for another former guest of the podcast, this time Ayawande of the Chatterbox podcast, who you can find in the Beyonce and Jay-Z debate. Being a good friend of mine, we often have conversations about things that have nothing to do with us, this time being the Kardashians. In the first two episodes of this new season, we see Kim and Courtney enter into a physical fight. For a little bit of context, there's been a lot of tension surrounding Courtney and her sisters about Courtney's participation in the show. You may think this sounds trivial, you may think it's none of our business you're absolutely right but hey I wonder why do you agree with Kim first of all Courtney she can't hack her responsibility and this is like the main issue here at the end of the day you have a job you have priorities and things that you have to do for this job why is it that you fail time and time again to come correct second of all Out of all the three, she's really the one that's lacking and the one that actually needs the salary the most. So why is it that you fail to do your responsibilities when you're the one that actually relies on this salary for the bulk of your income, in my opinion? I am going to sort of focus on the fight in particular. And I think the fight shows a lot of issues. Kim, she definitely knows how to antagonise people, to push people to the edge. Even when she said to Kendall before the Courtney and Kim fight began... Oh no, you just get anxiety. Like, like that's something she's in control over. Just throwing it away. After that, she then says, me, Courtney, oh well, Chloe. She knew what she was doing. She was trying to make comments on something that Courtney has asked her to stop making comments on. It then gets physical between both of them. And what does Chloe say to Courtney? Why did you hit her? After Kim slapped her in the face. 
Are you serious? I think that shows the way they treat her. It's always Courtney's fault. You're going to feel isolated. You're going to feel alone. Your family prioritise business over your health. It's not the first time we've seen it. Remember when Rob was going through stuff? They weren't supportive because it, it didn't look good on them. Him being fat didn't look good on them. Him not being out in the open didn't look good on them. Him not getting publicity didn't look good on them. And if we're talking about like, yeah, who likes the show and celebrity, Kim, yes, she's made for this, whatever. But I don't think she understands that other people don't like being on the show. If you take, for example, Rob, in Rob's situation, they were ready to cut that guy. They were like, you, sh you don't need to be on this show. You don't need to be here. You don't need to be doing this. We don't need you here because you're just, you are coming on this show and you're putting a dampener on this whole situation. If you have issues and you have and things that you're going through, take that aside and leave and do your own thing. Then again, remember, Rob now came back and wanted to do a show with China. Why? Because that income is important for the low earners in the family. The low earners in the family are Rob and Courtney. And that's on facts. Courtney's fine. Courtney is fine. Wait, Courtney wait, wait, wait we're talking fine. about me and you. <laughs> Can I just get you the stats really quickly? Obviously, we know where Kylie's earning. Kylie, then yeah, it goes yeah, yeah. to Kim, who's roughly in around 350 million. She's actually earning more than her husband. And then it flips down and down and down and gets <sighs> to Courtney, who is on 35 million. She's lower than her sister Chloe and lower than her mom, Kris Jenner. And also, the majority of her salary comes from keeping up with the Kardashians. Like Kim said, you can't get Kardashian privileges and not want to pick up the slack when the time comes. She clearly needs the show, but what's not going to solve it is feeling like your sisters, your boyfriend, his girlfriend, your mum, and the whole of production is against you. And I think the issue I sort of see with this family is that who's favoured is who's earning. That's not how you treat family. Chloe and Courtney were tight. They used to bully Kim. They used to make fun of her when Chloe wasn't looking how she looks now. When she was a bit more down to earth. When she knew what was real and what was fake. But suddenly you get more attention and now you're suddenly Team Kim. It's nonsense. When we're asking who's right, Kim, business sense, may be right. But if you want to view them as siblings, we both have siblings. Tell me that Kim is right in a sibling sense. Okay, so before I even continue, people who are saying that, oh, Courtney really gave Kim. Uh, rewind. Did you see that hot slap that Kim gave Courtney? That was the sweetest thing I've ever seen, honestly. <laughs> we didn't need to see the slap though because we saw the bruises. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you got your slap in, but Kim walked away in bruises. So let's not get to the physical part. I think my thing is... If we listen to the end of the clip of that whole drama fight thing, we know that Courtney now wants to leave the show. And she says her main reason for wanting to leave the show is that, you know, she just wants to do better at being a mom. My question to you is, what makes Courtney think that she in herself is a much better position and, and, and is basically better than her sisters because she wants to take time out to spend more time with her kids? Kim has like three kids. I don't even know four. Chloe has her own daughter and everything and manages to be present in their life, does a lot of filming around and with her kids. So why does Courtney feel like, oh, the fact that she has to film all the time is taking away from her being a mother when her sisters are doing exactly the same thing and are thriving in it? Being a mother, that responsibility, I don't know of it, but that responsibility, you can do. Choice, different strokes, different 
folks. And this is what I say with the Kardashians not being used to someone having an, an alternative style to them. They want everything to be the same. Kylie is a billionaire. Her, you see Stormzy all the time in the office with her little cast. It's cute. It works for her. Stormzy! Kim's, I'm sorry, Stormy, Stormy. That's right. Kim, <laughs> I don't know much about Kim's parenting style. I'll be honest. Yeah. All I know about Kim's parenting style is that she uses it as an excuse to use brains and appropriate culture. But, oops, do not know the girl. That is all I see. So, I do not blame Courtney for wanting to have a bit of a more hands-on relationship with her children. The way they grow up is not normal. It is what it is. That's what I'm going to say. But I think it's a bigger conversation about celebrities, right? And the responsibility celebrity have to people. So here is a family who have made their money from showing their personal life to the world and people feed into that. And so Kim has understood that, hey, at the end of the day, this is our job. We have to be open. We have to be transparent. This is the reason why we've been able to go for so many seasons. Like Kendall said, she chose early on to not show a lot of her life on that show. Now, why didn't Courtney open her mouth to come and say these kind of things before? Why? Because she was enjoying yeah, the what? privileges. People's preferences changed, though. Do you feel like celebrities are allowed to suddenly decide to be more closed off? We see it all the time. I'll be honest with you. I'm very much of the school and the discipline that nobody owes me anything. A celebrity doesn't owe me anything. No human owes me anything. Nobody owes me anything. They don't owe you anything, but you as a fan are very different to the bulk of our generation fans. Well, th that is changing. People that needs Those people, they require their celebrities' attention. <laughs> That's not normal. And last but not least, we have Anushka Shah, current third year French and Spanish undergraduate from Oxford. And as part of Anushka's quarantine activity, she's been doing a series of polls on her story. And there were a couple that got my back up. But we'll start with this one, and that is whether it's ever okay to tell a white lie. I think no, and Anushka thinks yes. Obviously, I think honesty is the best policy in general, but I think we have to think about different situations hypothetically. Say you were dating someone, and it wasn't serious yet, but it was getting there. You didn't cheat on them by being with someone else, but you didn't tell them either. Is that wrong? So, personally, I think white lie is a bit of an oxymoron. Could you say that that's like a blanket statement, that lying is wrong? Yeah, I think it's wrong, but I also think it's unavoidable. If humans just never lied, then it would be as if we could just read each other's minds and we were always telling the truth. Do you get what you mean? But I'm not sure if telling everyone everything would be the situation if no one lied. Because there are obviously yeah. some things that people shouldn't know. I think conscious is like a big thing. In the relationship example, I don't know if you'd feel it on your conscience if there was nothing wrong with what you're doing. And I also think that the truth just always out. And I think the further that you delay the truth coming out, the more harm you're doing. And that's why I don't know if I agree with this term, white lie, because it becomes a grey. <laughs> it becomes a grey area. I do, I do get that, and I do think the truth always comes out. But if we're thinking about, like, Okay, for example, if there's a criminal in your house, then you tell them, like, a white lie is to have the best moral outcome. And that actually just reminded me of, like, the nuns in The Sound of Music. She took 
something out of their car. So the people chasing the Von Traps are like slow down and she says, forgive me, I have sinned. That's obviously something very noble that she's done. To do the wrong thing, but to not like justify it, if that makes sense. Okay, so for example, like me and my friend, she kind of lied to me to like save my feelings. But then I found out inevitably in the end and I was more upset actually when I found out than if she just told me at the beginning. Exactly. I feel like we sometimes make decisions for other people. So we'll think, okay, they can't handle it. Or it's all right, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why you justify these white lies because you're like, I'm saving. Your friend thought she was saving you from, from hurting you at that time. Yeah. But that same hurt happened later. And so I feel... And worse, actually. Exactly. And so I, yeah. I feel that there are very few situations, which we mentioned, they, and they are very extreme, where a lie is better, i.e. hiding your family from a murderer or saving the Von Trapps. I think with these sort of day-to-day, -day, you know, relationship or friendship troubles, I personally just think that everything's better out of the open because I don't think I've ever seen a situation where anything has stayed private. Another question she asked is um, whether fast fashion, what did you say? You said, is it ugly and unethical or nice? And I think, you know, she kind of made it hard to choose nice. Mm. I said it's, I think it's an inevitable evil. What would you say about that, Anushka? I mean, I personally don't see why people can't shop more sustainably with Depop and with vintage clothes and with secondhand clothes because there's so much wastage. Do you still feel like, wow, I've got like a new product? Do you still sort of feel that same psychological thrill, would you say? Yeah, I do. Because, I mean, when I was in Paris, there were like so many amazing like kilo shops and vintage shops. And do you think that fast fashion could ever be sustainable? Or do you think it's an oxymoron? H&M released a sustainable line. Do you think that makes sense? I mean, I think they're using it as um, marketing, like the word sustainable. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know the details and how it was all like manufactured and stuff. Like it's become a bit of a trend, how veganism's also become like a trend. It's just the mindset that we have of shopping, which is so dangerous. We need to change the way we think about things and see clothes as more like as pieces that we keep. Yeah. Investments, pieces that we keep over time and that are gonna, we can give to our kids. And Would you say that the clothes that you buy thrifting are also high quality? Would you say that you could like pass those onto your children? Um, I try to look for right pieces. I try to look at the materials, quality of the stitching and the sort of durability of them. I don't think every single piece I've ever bought is going to go down to my kids, but... Okay, and like, would you say that the problem really is consumption and so it wouldn't really matter whether it's from a thrift store or a fast fashion brand if you're over-consuming, either way it's as bad as itself? Over-consumption as a concept is just very... It goes hand-in-hand, hand, I guess, with our society today because we always just... We're used to too much choice. Um, so we think we need way more than we actually do. I've not seen like a trend as much um with like over with overconsumption in thrifts in thrift shops because it's kind of harder to buy a lot of the same thing. I completely agree. I think the whole world should be sustainable. I think we should all try and eat less meat and like all of the good stuff. But um, I think my main issue is that it, it doesn't seem that it's 100% accessible. Even like veganism is the very like upper class thing to like afford to be vegan. Yeah, it is. Would you say there's a solution? Fast food places, because KFC started the vegan burger. Like, <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, um, it is just a fact that, like, vegetables are expensive. So, finally, 
Would you say that it's not it's not necessarily ugly and ethical, but it's all a bit of a mixture of a range of things that are that we all have a role in playing and um, fixing? Yes. So there we go. We are at the end. Six debates, one episode. Given that I was debating this episode, it's even more important that you connect with us on Instagram at the emotion underscore and let us know what you think. Who won the debate in your eyes? But next week, we'll be back again with our usual format. One debate, two great guests. Have a great week and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.